service of Stefan Ozic. Hello, beautiful world. Welcome. Welcome to the Living in Service podcast with myself, Stefan Ozic. Feels really good to have this out here now for you all to listen to. I've been thinking about doing this for almost a year and a half, two years, for whatever reason, doubt, um, circumstances, you know, attention, all the many variables that life happens to serve us all. But here we are. I'm grateful, I'm blessed, um, very, very, very grateful, in fact. For these first few episodes, they're going to be very, uh, you're going to be learning the ropes, let's just put it that way. This this episode happened to be inundated with a whole host of issues, uh, recording issues on my behalf. I had the gear and the mic levels set up incorrectly and I've spent close to 10 hours trying to edit this show to sound as listenable as possible. So yeah, this is just a little heads up just before you delve into this episode that the audio isn't isn't the best, but I really wanted to preserve this encounter I had with the beautiful guest, uh, Ms. Mora Tequeste. And yeah, I hope you can enjoy this. Um, I'm looking forward to really taking this as far as I can take it. Uh, I'm really looking forward to having different guests, different minds, different people teaching teaching you and I as we explore the realms of service and learning and giving. It seems uh, to be a real true and honest way of living as far as I see. So, yeah, I'll keep this brief. Uh, welcome, welcome. I hope you'll enjoy, and I look forward to turning back in. Goodbye. Yeah, word. Now it's like I'm familiar with my tone, and now yeah. like I'm experimenting and trying things and, like, just trying to, like, do cool stuff with my voice. Yeah. Like, yeah it's so cool, bro. I hear it, bro. I hear it. I feel so, it too, bro. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've just, I've already pressed record, so we're already kind of, like, underway. Oh, yeah, bro. Um... Well, Ms. Ms. Uh, Mora, is that Ms. Mora Tequeste? Yes. Ms. Mora. Ms. Mora Tequeste. Me. Ms. Mora. Ms. Mora Tequeste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bro. Well, yeah. I'm with, I'm with um, Ms. Mora Tequeste today, yes, A.K.A. Faraswami. Um, yeah. Thank you for being here, bro. It's been a minute. It's been about three years since we last connected. That's Oh, it's been a long time since before, you went to Europe, uh, since before I went to Europe. Right. Yeah, you, 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 yeah, you said that to me today. I was like, no way, it can't have been, can't have been. And then, yeah, there we are. We were back for a little bit, eh? Yeah, yeah, for a bit. Um, what you been for? Nah, nah, it was for a whole about two years nearly that I was traveling. Uh, but yeah, anyway, about that'll be like a whole nother, it'll be like a whole nother podcast nearly. Uh, but yeah, well, welcome, welcome. Thank you for taking the time. And I thought it was super um, valuable and necessary to have Ms. Morda being graced with his um, presence and his, this friendship that we've had for nearly about six years now. It was one of those funny moments. I met you, uh, this was when I was working at Ala Vugly and you're a new employee. I met you outside and instantly I just felt you. I was like, bro, this is a brother. 
It was kind of an instant feeling, you know? The way you held yourself, the way you spoke to me, the way you acknowledged me, it was just like, okay, he sees me, you know? And I see him, I felt that when I first met you. And ever since then, you know, it's just our connection and our relationship has just kind of been growing more and more. It's um, crazy that you said it, like now as like I'm at a much more different sort of plateau in my life. I um I try to make I, I, well, I don't try I make the effort to see people, mm, to be present, and to acknowledge. Mm, and then I was just a ranty little, mm, I was just a little, you know. So you're already you're already doing that. Me to just wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, automatically without even thinking about it. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes eh, you need to hear it from like another external like person. Eh? It's funny. Um, but anyway, just like bring it in, like kind of give us a little background, bro. Like, you know, you're here because um, yeah, I've known you for so long and I'm aware of your gift and your grace and the way that you hold yourself, the way you communicate, the way you articulate yourself and your ideas and views. And, you know, you being an immigrant from Ethiopia, I guess yeah. we could really want to start with that because, yeah, sure. you know, I myself am a half immigrant, first generation Kiwi. My dad was an immigrant, my mum, not really. She came here when she was about, uh, she was born here, but her grandparents, her parents, my grandparents, and my dad's parents all came from Croatia. So there's that kind of connection there. So already right there, you know, there was kind of a rapport that I wasn't aware of, but then I look back in retrospect and it was already there. So if you could just share that a bit, you know, that coming here, coming to New Zealand, what that was like, you know? Sure. Well, I, well, I mean, I'm originally from Ethiopia. Yeah. But my parents actually met in Sudan. Ah. It's like Northern Central Africa. And I was born in Sudan. I came here at the age of six in 1998. And it was surreal, man. Like, the, like being in New Zealand is something that I'm super, super grateful for. You know, and it blows my mind that a lot of people are like, oh, I just want to travel. I just want to get out of here. I just want to see the world. And it's like, dude, this, this is the world. <laughs> like, New Zealand is it, bro. You can, just, you can rent a van and just like drive around the, you know, the coast, parking up at places and literally spend a month just exploring this last year. You know? Like, New Zealand is truly paradise, man. Yeah. That's why the suicide rates blow my mind. Yeah. That's why depression blows my mind. I think that was the first few things I noticed in the differences between my wow. where I am is that where I'm from, there was nothing. In fact, forget nothing. It's just going to the dairy to buy milk as a coin toss if you come back or not, you know? Wow. And, and they're all happy. Like, they're truly going to bed at night content and grateful mm. and just with joy in their hearts. Mm. Even though it's just pure, like, just piss poor and turmoil everywhere. Mm. You know? With civil war on top of all mm. famine and there's, there's all, and, and you're all literal refugees. <laughs> like, you know, that's the environment and they're all happy. And here, there's this, this cushy lifestyle very nonchalant approach to everything, everything's so calm and peaceful and like you're not at risk at as much, you know? Mm. And everyone's depressed here, everyone's angry, yeah. everyone's sad, and everyone's lonely and it just, yeah, it blows my mind, man. And I think the biggest difference is the community. Like, it takes a village to raise a child, they say back where I'm from, you know? And that's, that's such a true philosophy that they all live yeah. by. We all live by, like, each one for each one, Ubuntu. Like, I'm here for you, you're here for me, we're here for the plants. Plants here for us, we're here to nurture and you know, look after the animals and in turn they feed us, you know, if you're into that. <laughs> if you're into eating animals. But you know, you get what I'm saying? Like every totally. Nurture. Totally. And, and grow each other. Not, this is my resource for me to capitalize yeah. on, use for my benefit at the expense of everyone else. And I think that community as opposed, or juxtaposed to the individualistic mindset of the Western world. 
those are the first few things I noticed. Wow. How old How old were you when you were six years old? So you came out at six. Okay, so I was fluent in English as my fourth language by the time I turned my third birthday. Wow. So by the age of two, I had already been speaking three languages fluently and picked up English at two and then had it fluent by three. So as a brain, as a kid, my brain was a sponge. I used to just absorb information. Somewhere along the line of growing up, I slowed down a little bit. Mm. It's probably, it's probably still there, you know. <laughs> I mean, with that head, well, you know. My brain thinks of problems yes. and solutions in a very different way. Mm. I think in four languages. Mm. I don't anymore. Don't wow. get me wrong, I only speak my language in English now because when I came to New Zealand, we spoke Amharic, which is the main Ethiopian dialect at home. And I spoke English everywhere else. So I lost the Eritrean language to Gideon, and I lost Arabic. Mm. My other two languages. But I just thought, like, if you spoke Arabic around me, I could pick yeah. certain things up. Yeah. You know, if you drop me in an Arab yeah. country, yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you got immersed in yeah, that, you'd you'd pick it up, eh? You know? Yeah, okay. yeah, totally. But um, my brain thinks and like my brain thinks in my language. Bro. I don't wow. think English. My thoughts are in my language. Wow. And so when I approach problems or so, you know solutions to problems or life, I'm always thinking from a multifaceted perspective. It's mm. never it's never one one. It's not it's never just never yeah, just an English binary. Yeah, yeah totally. So um, yeah, it was interesting coming here, man. Massive differences from mm. top to bottom. But those were the first few things I noticed. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned about it takes a village to raise a child. I want to explore that a bit because that's something I've been thinking of lately is that in our generation, especially Western culture, it feels only Western culture that the idea of the elders, mm. the wise men, mm. that seems to have really diminished yep. in our upbringings. Not sure why, but it's just the way it is and we tend to throw them in nursing homes or we tend to throw them in the hospitals. When I say this, I say this with so much um, love, you know, yeah. and obviously it's hard because we're living such fast-paced lives, but it seems, yeah, it seems that that's been something that's really been depleted from the Western mind and Western families. I look around, I come from a creation background, so of course the elders was very prominent, were around our grandparents, they communicated with us, they got to be gifted with their presence by my nieces and nephews, they got to be immersed in that, but I look at my other, you know, peers I know, and that it seems to not be very prominent. And I even just look around on, on the media and whatnot, and it's never really exposed and emphasized. So you touched on that, and I kind of want to explore that a bit, because it seems that we've lost that coming of age um, process and development, you know, the way we view the world. Because from the world's, the way the world's viewed from an elder's mind, you know, they're wise, you know, they've experienced so much. Um, and it's coming from a real ground level, like you were saying that, you know, you'd go out, they, they had nothing, quote unquote, yet they were happy. Yet in this society, we have everything, yet we're depressed. Yeah. And it seems to create this kind of cycle. Yeah. So with that, I'm kind of curious, you know, like with your upbringing, I'm assuming you had your grandparents surrounded, you know? No, we were refugees. Well, so, you're, so they were... Just my parents, me and my sister and Sudan. Oh, wow. We came in and had three more siblings, but... Nah, it's just us, cause like, uh, everyone always cracks up at how many cousins I have here, cause I'm always like, oh, I was my cousin, yeah. oh, I was my cousin, and it's like 300 people, but here, bro, anyone who looks like you and is from the country you're from, they grew up here with you, that's family cousin. <laughs> I got like hundreds of cousins. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. So it's kind of like pseudo um, aunties and uncles, yeah. pseudo elders. Yeah, I don't actually have a real relative. Yeah, it worked. Okay. Yeah, so we, no, we didn't have that. But this is the thing, though, because of the way our community works, yes. I always had grandparents yeah. around me. I always yeah. had aunties and uncles and cousins. Yeah. I always had elders around me. Mm. I always, um, yeah, it's, it's not blood that makes someone family with Yeah. It's just being mm. that makes you a part of yeah. it, you know? So that would have really shaped you then, of course, having so many different 
influences and so many different aunties and uncles yeah. and different age groups around you. Absolutely. You know, it made me super compensate. Like I was always a kid. I was always that baby, two, three, four years old, hanging with the adults, having adult conversations. Like I led a funeral at the age of four. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. What? When you say you led, what does that mean? Like, I, I was the one that like did the, the teaching, the preaching. <laughs> oh club. my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Did, like the burial ceremony. Wow. Like, yeah, yeah, got the fellowship team to. Like I ran it for like an hour, you know, and this, wow. is, this is just part of that. That's because of that. But at the same time, as much as it's created that, um, as much as it's created that sense of uh, community and 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 belong, some sort of belonging. You know, mm. refugees have so people, you know. As much as it's created all that, my journey has actually created a lot of confusion for me until recent years. I'm an Ethiopian kid, part Ethiopian, mostly Ethiopian, part Armenian, because my dad's grandfather's Armenian. Armenian. Yeah. Wow. So, part Ethiopian, Armenian, half caste, or you know, quarter caste, or whatever you call it. Born in Sudan, raised in New Zealand with Islanders and Indians and Asians and white people. Yeah. So. And you went to a Kalsid school, uh, which, Kalsid, which Kalsid. West West Auckland. You know, and so like it, it's just there's this massive question. Wow. Who the fuck am I? Sorry, no, no, I swear. Yeah. Well, this is all, yeah, okay. we can we can speak, I mean, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. if it comes out, moment, totally, totally. But, um, yeah, it's just, who am I? And that's the reason why my artist name, Pharaoh Swami. Pharaoh yeah. is a reminder of who we are, where we're from, royalty. Yeah. You know, the mother, like the motherland. Mm. From the orange of the man, we're all royal, bro. So, so who am I? I see you kind of play with that. So who am I? Yeah. yeah. That's actually a Hindi term for one who understands oneself. I did not know that. How, as not understanding myself, I call, yeah, because you know there's like, um, there's all the Swamis that write books. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, so a Swami is literally a title given to somebody who is what some would call a spiritual advisor or guide or a wise one. But when you actually talk to a Swami himself, because he understands oneself and has ego removed, he says, they call me that. Yes. I share my experiences, yes. but they call me the wise yes. one, they call me a leader, and they call me this, and I, I'm not. I'm merely one who's experienced and, mm. and I share mm. experiences. So for me, I just thought that was super cool, and I'll be honest, at first it was kind of more like a, you know, name sounds dope. Mm, yeah. You know? But yeah. it's funny how your name manifests your life. <laughs> like, totally. I've this confusing journey of got all my identities and masks and aspects of self and shadow aspects of self and all these, um, perceptions of mm. who I am mm. and, and, and the more, more closer mm. I get to my true authentic self which I can never I don't think I can say I am 100% my true authentic self but as I'm getting closer and closer to it um, I'm understanding that your, your, your whole future is truly dictated and manifested by the words spoken unto you yeah. like my name is a short for Mizmura mm. Mizmura in my language means music and my last name Takista means it's good as for has been prophesied so Mazmura Takista is literally music has been prophesied. Mm. And here I am as an artist. Here you are, yeah. I call myself Ferris Swami, and here I am feeling royal yeah. figuring out who I am. Mm. You know? And so I started really taking a massive respect for names and mm. vibrations yeah, and words yeah. and intention. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be funny, eh, that like when, when it is, when you articulate the word you put out, what words are brought upon you? It's also the words that you're thinking that tends to be manifesting your reality. So literally, your name is Mora Tekeste. Every day, that's what you get taught. Hey, hey, oh, Mez, Mez, Mez. So every day, that is going to be emphasized and drip-fed into your subconscious, conscious, however you want to look at it. So every day, that's reinforced. And it's also a process of understanding that we actually don't know anything. Yeah. That has been the same yeah. for me because, man, you knew me back then, bro. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I knew everything. I knew who I was. I knew what I wanted. 
I had everything about me. You know, and, and it was that that truly, truly, truly kicked me. Cage is in. You know, and like that kicked me. Um, mm. Yeah, cage them is the best way to explain it. Cage them for myself, you know. Yeah. So that music, were your parents quite uh, growing up? I'm assuming Ethiopian traditions musically, like Af Af you know, music. When I think of Africa um, as a whole, continent-wise, uh, the music and the way that spirits so embodied in that, and the tribal aspects and that kind of. Uh, ceremonial type aspect, yeah. you know, was that something that was real prominent growing up while you were there? Absolutely. Uh, okay. Absolutely. Like, because I grew up in the church. That's where my first experience of music was. When you say church, like what? Church, like, like my ca Protestant, ca Christian. Protestant Christian. Protestant, like Baptist, like, yeah, Pentecostal, wow. speaking in tongues. So that's, yeah. And, you know, whole Praising, thing. really whole singing. And worship. And yeah, and worship. And, you know, they were, they little Jesus hippies, you know? Mm. And, and I love that. that. And that's been the foundation of my values, as much as my beliefs may not be the same. Yeah. You know, I see Jesus as a ascended master who conquered self. Yeah. And, and he was so beautiful and, and full of love that, Unconditional love. Unconditional love that he created such a buzz. Like, look, I, I see it like this. You know what I see Jesus as, bro? I see Jesus as, like, there must have been some dude who came to earth, was just so fucking full of love that a lot of people loved him and talked about him, and a lot of people hated him. Yeah. And, 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 and my argument is we don't sit here arguing about the, the authenticity or legitimacy of Hercules. Mm. Here talking about Zeus. Yeah. We just see them yeah. as myths. Yeah. Just, like this whole religions and lifestyles based around Jesus Christ. Yeah. He must have been a pretty cool dude yeah. that did some yeah. pretty cool shit. Yeah. And, and 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 Harry Potter, I was watching Harry Potter in the first in the first movie, there's this thing where the, the guy touches Harry Potter in the hand and only they turn to stone and ash or to ash and Harry Potter didn't. And he asked his um he asked the principal of the school, why didn't that turn to ash? And he told him, when your mother died and sacrificed her life for you, she was such a pure person that her unjust death created a magic spell <coughs> that protected you and covered you. Mm. And I'm sitting here like, some dude was full of love and they hung him on a cross. Like, mm. okay, maybe believing in that or saying his name might have created yeah. some spell that yeah. makes shit happen. Because bro, I've seen my mom literally move earth, mountains, and sun and the sun with the name of Jesus, bro. And that's what's crazy, because I'm not religious. But yeah. I, I know what I've seen. Yeah. Things that are impossible yeah. within out happen. Yeah. She prays for him. I'm mm. really intensely tapped into yeah. the ether, to the Akashic records, yeah. to God, to yeah. the God force, to yeah. love, whatever you want to call it. She's so tapped in that the level of her faith allows the cheat codes to, have, to activate more. Like, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. So growing up around that, yeah, it really influenced who I am as a person, especially like in music. It's very ritualistic for me. Mm. I meditate on my beats before I create. Yeah. And when I do create, I, I do breath work and meditate. You know, I have breath work and I allow yeah. it. It's almost like I just allow myself to be a channel for the Holy Spirit mm. to create through me. Mm. Rather than me. A conduit. You're essentially a conduit. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Which is why the word Swami, so who am I, is even deeper than the identity on a physical. Mm. Mm. Even in a spiritual realm or an artistic or metaphoric realm, it's like, so who am I? Am I the paintbrush or am I the artist? Am I the one creating the music or am I simply an instrument yeah. in the hands of something much yeah. larger than me telling a story? And so that line of thinking allows me to be very, very determined and, and ambitious and self-assured in, in my strengths mm. and in my values as a musician, but it also allows me to be super humble. Mm. When I'm creating something, I'm relentless. When I'm chasing something, I'm relentless. But when I get it, 
And someone comes to me like, bro, that song was amazing. You're the man. Oh, bro, they show you that it was phenomenal. You're the shit. Whenever I get these sorts of, I always, I always respond with, it's not me, man. It's heroes. It requires, what you're saying seems to require a lot of egolessness and also seems to require a lot of letting go. At the same time, you're just realizing that you just happen to embody this body, like this body that you happen to be in inhibiting inside of, that you're just born with and then you're like allowing yourself to tap into that realization. It seems to require a lot of, um, yeah, death, death of um, who am I? Who am I? That, that I... You're, you're merely just the I, but we always, well, you know, Western society always yeah. goes back to Western society. It's so emphasized on you're the I, yeah. when really you can just be the watcher of the I. Mm. So it sounds like you've really just kind of dropped that, dropped that. Is that something that you, with that awareness, that obviously came upon you, but when you kind of started to realize that, what were some big shifts in the way it would come? Even just going to parties, you know, catching up with people. Yeah. I find myself in positions, you know, where I get so trapped in that, I. I not the I, but merely just the witness. But yeah. then when I have communication or like have these um, conversations with people, I sometimes struggle because it, t it tends to be coming from a place of the I, 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 when they're communicating with me. And when I respond, I feel a sense of my ego dripping and be like, fuck, I'm above you. But then I step back and be like, mm. fuck, there's a time where I, I almost find it hard to be able to navigate that because they're so entrenched, you know, mm. it's, it, there's no positive or negative, it's just the fact they're entrenched in that self-identity, mm. which is necessary, however, they're so entrenched to it, that that's kind of their whole world. So anything outside of that, Whoa. there happens to be nothing that's yeah, like absolutely. happening. So how do you kind of like, when you explore that, when you started to explore that and realize like, man, I'm just the witness. Yeah, yeah, when you yeah. started to explore that and step into that, how did you kind of navigate that? Because I was aware you were very involved in that, in that scene, you know, with, um, with Mercy Motel. Yeah. You know, you know, died in 69. Yeah, you're, you're, so, you're so busy, you're so in that scene. Yeah. Yet it seemed like there was these like split personalities, that there was yeah, that there part was of you, but then there was the personality of being the witness of that personality. So how did you kind of like navigate that, you know? Oh, I, I, <laughs> that's an interesting question. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest, man, there's a, like, I hope you'll be honest. I am very, yeah. Uh, Richard always tells me that. Yeah. Yeah, he's always like, the, the honest people don't say to be honest. Yeah, because yeah. I'm just honest. I love that. Well, um, what's the question, bro? What's the question specifically? Well, kind of like. It's a very broad conversation. I don't want yeah. to be on a tangent. Yeah. Oh, well, it's already kind of going okay, down. Well, but so hey, case, I'll, I'll, I'll be clear, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. like, me, myself, personally, as I started to really explore this um, selflessness and kind of the witness of the body, you know, not being the body, but being the witness of the, the body. Yeah, the observer that when I'd have conversations with people at parties, going out, doing the social thing, that yeah. sometimes I'd struggle to connect because the way they'll be communicating would be coming from a place of the I, 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 mm. whereas I'll be witnessing and I felt I couldn't really go deep because they're at a certain level. Yeah. But then with that realization, my ego came in and I was like, oh, this person's at this level, I'm so above them. But then mm. I'd kind of like fight these two, two ideas. Yeah. I'd still want to be so present with that person. Sure, sure, sure. So, so in a way, like how did you kind of like explore and navigate that with the self-awareness while not being so judgmental in a way, and, and how did you kind of explore that, you know, with, with that selflessness? The, real, the answer to so who am I is as I am. I am as I am. Yeah. You know, and as I am itself is a rearrangement of the word Swami. 
for me, it's like I am as I am, and everyone is as they are. And and what helped me truly move mm. away from judgment and more towards being the observer and the one who's present was understanding that they are all just being them, and I only obs- I only notice and pick up on what I'm projecting from inside. Mm. So, for example, the same people I find daft or not with it or not woke or whatever we want to call it, they are probably equally on the same train of thoughts and, and, and journey as I am. And they're just figuring it out, but we only see aspects of each other that we see in ourselves. And so maybe I am not as woke as I think I am. Maybe I have surface level questions yeah. and our conversations. Maybe yeah. I am all about the I, I, I. Yeah. Maybe I'm not present. So therefore I notice these things in everyone else and that, uh, that perspective help me really stop judging and observing what mm. someone annoys me. I'm like, what is it that I do that, that I'm not cool with? Mm. What is it, how, what, so what attribute right now about them is annoying me? A, B, C, D, okay. When, how and when have I, uh, uh, um, it's almost like, how, how have I expressed A, B, C, D that I don't like in that person? Oh, wow, I actually do that quite a lot. Oh, okay, cool, so deep down, I don't like myself. Yeah. So anyone who reminds yeah. me of me, I don't yeah. like. Yeah, that's so funny you say that. That's so funny you say that because as I started to go through that kind of like thought process, I was like, well, fuck, I'm the, I'm the guy that's not yeah. the wokeness. I'm the guy that's being the I, I, I. Yeah. And I quickly gave that up and yeah. realized that, oh, I can actually be present and yeah. just merely the presence alone yeah. is enough for it to be. The thinking, the thinker, that, that can just do what it does. But the presence, yeah, it's funny you say that, How man. Do you know that all these people that were like just having eye conversations are just equally as nervous being in a social environment like us, so therefore they just talk about the one thing they know, which is themselves, and they just don't know how to communicate well. Yeah. How do we yeah. not know that we're actually surrounded by really good people who are actually just trying to have a fun time and they're not judging? We're the ones sitting here judging. Yeah. We're the one being like, oh, no one here is fucking It's like, oh, cool, right? well, everyone else seems like they're having fun. Maybe it's yeah. not as real. Maybe they're not pretending to be happy. Maybe they're yeah, totally. And if they, all you see is people pretending to be happy, maybe you're pretending to be happy. Yeah. You know, it's all a projection of self, man. Yeah, very so much. I am as I am. Everyone is as they are, and it's, it's just an ex- a level of acceptance, bro. Yeah, and they're they're at their level where they are because that's at that level where they are. Yeah. They're where they're meant and to you be. Know what level that yeah. is? Because you're not inside. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's why, man. Just focus on I. Focus on yeah. self. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Being the watcher. Yeah. Ah, great. I, yeah, amazing. That's yeah. It's it's a lot to kind of process. And for those listening, yeah, these this is this is mine and Mez's conversations. You every time we catch up. So so like I'm sorry that this is probably dense, but we can we can dissect aspects of this. You know, we can really uh, yeah, kind of like come come to a more solid foundation of what we're trying to explain. But you know, bear with us, just enjoy this journey and I hope you are. Um, we spoke on it just briefly, oh, well, I spoke on it, about Died in 69. Yep. Um, can you tap in that a bit? Because I remember when you showed me that and you showed me um, Israel Adesanya, like, this was like, this was like five, this was like five, six years ago. And I like, it was like, oh, this cat, you know, but you, you had sights on him, but he was a part of that video. Bro, but that, that video, before, like, yeah. I saw a young dude who, I saw me. I just yeah. saw a young dude who has a dream. He's the best at what he does. And nobody believes it yet. And he didn't care. He was going to make He's it. He's just going to do it. I don't know how, yeah. how long it took. And that and video, so, that video, let's yeah. talk about that video. Cause he was on that for a reason, right? That video was really powerful. Yeah, well the song called New Wave. We, said, we were saying we're the new wave even though no one knows it. Yeah. So it made sense having the guy who we thought also was the next new wave in the mm. industry that no one knew about. Yeah. And it's so funny because back then he wasn't big, he wasn't a, yeah. I just, we just saw the energy. Like, yeah, oh. totally. But um, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, very interesting, but, yeah. But, and it's like, it's, it taught me a lot actually because being part of watching his 
his journey from a distance while also yeah. having some sort of proximity in regards to just knowing who we are. Yeah. I know who he is, he knows who I am. Comes yeah. as a friend, but we're yeah. each other well. Yeah, yeah. We see each other, it's all love. But I, um, watching his journey has taught me a lot about my journey. Like the patience it takes to get to the top level. You know what I mean? Like he had a hundred fights for it before he was anything. Yeah. Like on a big level. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, I haven't released a hundred songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I haven't released a hundred songs. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So like, totally. little things like that, I'm constantly watching and learning from it. But that song, that died in 69 era in general was a mm. place. Yeah, I want to talk about that a bit because... Abuse, parties, girls, yeah. constant shows. I think we did something like a hundred shows in that, in that yeah. year and a half, two years place. So it was you and your twins? Me, you. Quarter level seven, four now. Yeah, okay. And, and uh, Mac Milo. Mac Milo. my manager now. Yeah, yeah. He's still, he's still your manager? Yeah, oh, shout outs, Mac Milo. I still with ones. Oh yeah, yeah, good on you. Good he's based out in Pihar, right? He's got his own little like abode, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 great. He's got married as well. Yeah, Mama Rosa. Oh, amazing. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, they, they, we, it was us four. Yeah, why well, oh, died in Jack? Actually, Jack Harris Jack. as well. That's right. He did a bit of production, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, died in '69. It's that name. I remember you told me I'm like '69. I kind of oh yeah, okay. Died yeah. in '69. Like what? What does this mean? And then I remember this was kind of yeah. one of the. The seedlings of like the interest in you, I was like, man, this guy, like, I vibe with that. Can you talk about that name a bit? Yeah, I'm, a weird, I'm a weird dude, man. Yeah. Um, I believe it was one of, my, one of my many lives on this earth. You know, I'm 28 years old in this one, but I've been a thousand years, a couple of thousand years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, like, I always believed I've had past lives and I've always seen vivid dreams and like visions and memories and just like things of them, you know, just my own little reality and it could all just be. Um, imagination. Mm. It's cool. I ran with it. I ran with the imagination. Yeah, it yeah. suits me because it works and I understand it, you know? Yeah. I feel it. But, um, yeah, I thought I was a pharaoh. I mean, I believe I was a pharaoh in a past life, you know? Yeah. And I believe I was around a few years ago as well and yeah. overdosed and died at Woodstock 69. Mm. And I've come back in this life to take over the music game. So yeah. I like watching Jimi Hendrix play. Yeah. I was so inspired. <laughs> came back as a musician. So what, you died? You died at Woodstock? I died, at 60, I died in 69, yeah. yeah. Woodstock, died in 69, Woodstock, and we back. That was one of my slogans. Yeah, that was but, um, Yeah, that's what the name came from. It's literally like, everything I name always comes from some aspect of my belief system. Yeah, my values, yeah. Like things like yeah. that. Yeah, it's, yeah. But died in 69 was a fire name. Yeah, it was a great name because it kind of, yeah, oh, it's, band. yeah, and it's, and it's not really a name that I would really associate with an artist, yeah. to be honest. When you told me, I was like, okay, interesting. Man, it vibes with it. The more I said, I was like, oh, I like this. <laughs> so did you go forward to the twins and Matt Milo and... Yeah. Well, we were all sort of working together yeah. thing, and then we're like, yo, we should be a little thing, you know, we're like, oh, yeah. we should call ourselves, and I was like, oh, should we be the Black Club? And I was like, nah, we're really throwing parties under the Black Club brand. She was going with the Torn Point name then, and we're like, nah, it needs to be separate brands. And then I was just like, one night, we were all lit at 1885. And I remember saying to him, I was just like... When you say lit, what does lit mean? Oh, it's fucking... It's lit, bro. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think that, I don't know if that's um, a slang. Yeah, I don't know if that's yeah, slang or not. New Zealand slang, or is that uh, slang? Yeah, but yeah. Just for those listeners that are like, what does lit mean? Um, yeah, so, he, so he's a, yeah, yeah, he was intoxicated. Yeah, yeah, but loving it, feeling it, vibing out. Inebriated, completely vibing out. Yeah, but I was lit, man. And I remember saying to them, I was just like, yo, I don't know, we bumped into these girls, and the girl came up to me, and she was just like, you look so familiar. I know you from somewhere. We've done heaps of shows, so I'm serious from that. But me being me, I was just like, oh yeah. I was just like, were you at Woodstock in 69? In 1969? And she was like, what? I was like, were you at Woodstock? Because maybe we saw each other front stage at Jimi Hendrix. And maybe you recognized me from there. And she was like, what the hell? And just walked off, right? She felt, she found it weird. And then the boys just turned around and looked at me and they were cracking up and they were like, bro, that's the funniest shit ever. And I was just like, yeah, right, that is 69. 
And then Shingo died at 69, he was like, that's fire. And I was like, yeah, and I was like, oh my God, boys, that's it. That's died at 69. Whoa. And they were like, oh my God, we lost that shit. And we called Mark. Pure. He really liked the name. He would have liked the name, yeah, because he's quite a business he's strategist. He's, a he's very, yeah, no, yeah. Guru, yeah. Marketing, yeah. 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 That's a stick. So then you guys ended up sussing performances at R&V, which is, so three years in a row. So R&V is basically one of the biggest festivals in the world because it happens on New Year's and in New Zealand, the Southern Hemisphere, yeah, we get the first, we get summer and we're one of the first ones to see the sun. It's in Gisborne, a little um, region, little city in the North Island of New Zealand. And yeah, R&V's based there. And you performed there three, three years. So we'd play R&V on the 29th and then we'd catch flights back to Auckland and drive up to Northern Base and play Northern Base on the 30th. Then come back to Auckland and play in the CBD on the 31st. We did that for three years in a row. And then in between that, we're doing Sounds of the Underground, Mardi Gras. I was performing at, um, uh, what's it called? Spring Break Fiji, Spring Break Baratonga. Wow. I opened for ASAP Ferg. I wow. Gucci. I opened for Peking Duck. Got booked up for Tory Lanez. He used to make it. Um, I did. Yeah, I did a whole bunch of stuff, man. That that's a, that, that was a fun era. What was crazy is I had no music out. <laughs> that's the that's the thing that like blew my mind. Uh, it blew my mind. Yeah. Like as because you know I was starting to know you as you're getting into this, and I'm like, fuck, man. Like he's doing it, but I'm like, fuck. He hasn't even got that much of a catalog, but he's well, doing it. He's doing it. Yeah. So what was it like? Was it was it was it the was it the energy that you put out there? Or was it was right, it was it Milo? So, like, so Miles was getting booked as a DJ. At all these yeah. Was yeah. Actually, Miles bookings. Yeah. But because we were a team, he'd just bring me and the twins along, and we'd perform oh, and release it, and like I would crowd control it. But my thing is stage presence, man. Yeah. I'm not to connect with people, whether there's a million yeah. people in front of me, ten thousand in front of me, ten yeah. people, or just one. I can connect with people. So when I'm on stage, I'm so authentic, I'm so hyped, I know how to get the energy going, I can 100% and people see that and mirror back from the crowd. So I was just like the perfect person to have on stage to really create a point of difference from other DJs. Mm. And I would hype to songs and then I would rap along songs that weren't mine and then we'd create our own remixes to the songs, have the beat playing and I would rap and then we'd have our own originals jump in between here and there. We were just really, really exciting right, to watch. Yeah. So that just kept getting us booked more and more. Yeah. And then we literally like, right, we didn't cite much, but we had people having like full on ambulances being called. We got kicked off 20 minutes half set at um, Deep Heart and Funky the year they did it at the ASB. What, hap what happened there? Well, it's a three level, there was a new ASB building in Viaduct. Yeah. In Winyard Corner, and it's a three level, there were three levels of the party, of the, of the festival. And we were on the middle ground, level two, yeah. on the second floor. Yeah. And we came off stage and I split up the whole, like, I mean, we just raged in the beginning. The twins climb up on the speakers. I send them up, I tell them, I'm like, climb the speakers. I'm like, yo, jump into the crowd. I'll tell them to do shit and sort of direct from the stage. And um, I really just um, was the, sort of the center point of the performance with regards to um, you know, stage presence. But we'd all just be really crazy and split the whole crowd up into, a, into in the middle of the room. And we created a massive mosh pit and we made the two walls run into each other. And when we were doing that downstairs, the security, we're, caught, we're, look, we're calling our security being let the security out. Because they want to hear that. I heard it. They were oh. being like, yo, like, our roof is bending. Oh my gosh. Like, oh my gosh. Because everyone was just moshing and jumping up and down wow. at the same time. Like, you know, to get a whole full room of people to all rage and jump at the same yeah. time to the same tempo with no division, with no, yeah. not doing yeah. it. Like, it was just unison. Yeah. It creates energy, man. Yeah, and totally. The roof was bending, so we got kicked off stage. 
Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's a good story. It's a good story. Yeah, and then, and then you guys dropped the EP, but the EP was dropped as single tracks. So talk about that. What was that? Quite a like a. Um, this, yeah, you just just trying. There's no blueprint with the music industry. Yeah, nice. Yeah, cool. We ended up racking over like 250,000 plays on that new wave song of Busy that Izzy did the music video on. Yeah. But in all honesty, man, like I look back at that, and the whole time and era was fun. But like, I listen to the music, and I'm like, bro. Yeah. Like you know, like it's it's we weren't we were special. The music wasn't, and that's what got us booked. Bro. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And then fast forward. You talking about stage presence yeah. happened to grace the people at Splore. So oh, tell me about man. that. That is that was a cool story, right, man. It was a headline slot, bro. Yeah, headline I slot. Yeah. I thought we were just playing on Friday night main stage. Yeah. But it's the it's the headline slot. Um, it was actually crazy because it was Black City's event, not mine. Yeah, yeah. Did you oh. know Black City's? Nah, nah. You just told me about them though, and I think it was yeah. It was so Jess B, Abdul K, Abdul K, Momus, and Blaze the Emperor. Yeah. They are Black City, and so they're the new super rap group from New Zealand. Um, they're all Africans, African descent, all all, all, all immigrants. Yeah. Thank you, my man. Thank you so much. We just had a little guest grace grace yeah. the space. That's sorry, yeah. Andre. Yeah. Stefan. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, nah, easy. Keep keeping it keeping it nice and no, organic got, here, got, folks. I got a gift tonight. Yeah, oh you need you need the charger. Have to have the charger. So what were we? we're talking about Black City. Yeah. And, and so they're just they're just amazing, bro. Yeah. And um they got booked to headline and they asked me to be the DJ. And I was kinda like, yeah, cool, sweet, so we couple rehearsals. Went there and then Benny played before us. Mm. I um, how how PG rated is this podcast? Oh, you go, you go, like you know. Oh, so, so some random dude yeah. gave me some ketamine, bro. Yeah. And <laughs> which which is yeah, so I was it's a dissociative and a psychedelic. Yeah, coach. I didn't realize, bro. And this is Splore we're talking about. So Splore's Splore really to, so Splore's yeah. Splore's an amazing. Just to oh. let let the listeners understand, Splore's basically this amazing oh. arts arts festival because art is embodied by festival I've ever been to ever and I've been to a lot it's the most yeah. hands down the best festival music. and there's families there it's family friendly all ages there's kids there at about 4am and they're still up dancing with these people that have yeah. taken substances and oh, yet, wow. yet it happens to be full of so much love there's never any negativity nah, there never at least I've never felt any nah, seen it no, Mez has been there about like four or five times he's yeah. never seen it nah. so that's just kind of like letting you guys get a it's Get a, a picture true, of Splore. Yeah, yeah. Away, you know? Truly. Like you go there and you come back and like life kind of seems very grey and dull for you. Yes. Yeah. 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 Out. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. So you dude do, gave me some shit. And yeah. I, I was in the I was in the corner of the bushes just like just throwing my lungs up like twenty minutes before <laughs> on stage. And then um I got on stage and I was still quite very lit and I was um yeah I just I, I, honestly bro I, I, just to go into a deeper thought pattern as we yeah. go through the story yeah. I actually realised I love getting lit bro mm. and when I say that I mean like I love getting lit but I don't love how I can't choose how lit I get yeah now, what about that what about that oh, is, it yeah, is it the feeling is it the feeling is it bro it's just like true okay so it's the addiction yeah it's like cool how far can we take it okay and that's from my past life like I'm, I used to live yeah know, totally very, totally like, I used to be a drug dealer yeah I used to, yeah, I used to do everything. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I was I was it really ruined my life. But 
coming out of that and feeling the trauma, I'm getting lit a lot less and I'm not getting as lit as mm. I used to. And I, you know, I'm all that. Did you see it more as, an, as an escape or is it because yeah, yeah. you purely just no, loved it? That, no, no, like, it's always an escape. Always no escape. Doubt. No doubt. I, yeah. love it. I love it as an as a excuse we tell ourselves, as what our ego tells yeah, us. Absolutely. The truth absolutely. Reality, yeah. Why would you love something that makes you feel like how you should be feeling normally? Yeah, absolutely. And why should you be constantly craving that? Yeah, I don't love it. Mm. I don't love myself. If mm. I love myself, mm. I wouldn't love that because I love myself and I'm okay. Yeah. I yeah. feel good. So long, so that was just a little sign. Though. But what yeah. I'm saying is like in these moments where someone's like, do someone does something like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. Like, you know, yeah. I'm just yeah, very totally. So I had fun with it. But I was on stage, man, and this <laughs> Benny just finished 20 minutes, <coughs> 20 minutes doing the changeover. <coughs> when I came on stage prepared to do, like, start playing and sit and bring everyone out, because I was told to MC sort of and just like introduce everyone, yeah. you know? But as everyone, as I got out, there was only 15 people in front of us, bro, on the main stage, mm. on Friday night. And I was like, this, my brain just, I've never seen 15 people on the front stage. So I realized, okay, no one's heard of Black City before one second, we Benny just played. And so they all stood around for five, 10 minutes. And then after a 20 minute lull of no music, they would have just all dispersed to a different stage because of the sound mm. was so awkward. Mm. So at this point I was just told the team, I was like, right, let me, just give me a minute. So I played, I looped this, the intro to this new song by Stormzy and this Ghanaian rapper called Sore. It's so gangster, bro. Yeah. It's so, it's so dope. It's almost like drill. Was that song already queued up or you just happened to go yeah, through no, the no, list? Bruce actually told me, play that song before we come out. Just okay. Sort of like, cool. Vibe and, and then you chose to loop it. Yeah, that was, was more like, intuitive. Nah, I'm not just going to play a DJ song. Yeah, yeah. So I just looped the intro, yeah. which is really cool, theatric, cinematic, dark, twisted sort of sound. And I went up to the front of the stage and I just started talking, bro. I was just like, Hey, look, I just want to say something. COVID couldn't stop us. You know, racism couldn't stop us. Yeah. I was like, nothing could, have, nothing could stop we us. We are here. And right now, we're the only place in the known universe with this many people together to dance and be this close with each other. Yes. So I need everybody to come up to the front one time. Yeah. I got everyone off the hills and everyone off the beach. And mm. by the time mm. I just finished that, and I said, I'm about to bring mm. out my favorite artist on the planet right now, I can promise you by the end of tonight, everybody is going to know exactly who my people are. And then I took it out the loop and the song started and dropped. Right, by the time this song- The Stormzy track yeah. dropped. So yeah. I talked for about 30 seconds, played yeah. the song, the song played for about a minute, minute and a half. We had about 10, 12,000 people in front of us. Wow. It was just the whole thing was full. Wow. It was just, that. Wow. actually the 10, 12,000 was just like, that's just me talking shit. I'm yeah, yeah, but it would have been a lot of people. people. Like, there was a full- It was a sea of heads. It was full, like the yeah. whole video was full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hacked to the rim, bro. Yeah. And no one had ever seen that before. Yeah, wow. I'm the owner of Splory sat to a friend of mine that's his nephew. And yeah, just told him, he was just like, yeah, yeah. Like, he, he, what, what you did, whatever you did, yeah. And then Black City came, and what a good segue for them. Yeah. How did they feel? You know, how was it? How the, thing, the thing about the whole Black City crew and myself and like just our group of artists here in Auckland, we are we're vets pretty much when it comes to live shows. Yeah. Like we performed. Blaze the Emperor has performed in like twelve countries, yeah. including Macau. <laughs> like, yeah. So so Blaze Emperor, Razor Beezer, JSB, Momus, Abdul K. Yeah. And we're all just characteristic. We have energy. Yeah. And are all of African descent too. Hence, hence, yeah. hence Black City really representing yeah. that. And our symbol is the first. Yeah. 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 Symbols the first. So that's really cool, man. So we did that, and it was just murder. Yeah. It was murder. Like it was just chaos the whole time. It was just phenomenal. Oh, amazing. Just, and it was my first time on stage in like three years. Okay. Like being on stage. Like oh, I, mean, I didn't realize. I did get on the bass. Like yeah, yeah, bases, yeah. But it's not the same. This was a live show where I could be just me. 
not hide behind other people's music. You know? So with that three-year hiatus, it's because you're just being because and and obviously I think I touched on it before. Like when I'd met Mez, he was mainly a rapper. He dabbled oh, with a bit rap. of singing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he'd been dabbling with kind of singing. This one time, me and him had a. Um, created some music at my house and I'd heard a little touch and I was like, man. But then he never liked it for whatever reason, I liked it. And whatever, long long story short, fast forward now, what, the three years time, yeah. I heard Mez, he was just on this real roll, real, real consistently dropping like demos. You're exposing yourself. You were really, really exposing yourself. But then you dropped the track where you sung. And then it's like you'd, you'd tapped into something in your soul yep. that happened to birth the skill you always had. But you didn't like not, but it was always there. Yeah. And then once you realized that, so I'm curious, like once you'd realized that, did that, did that kind of just start to just come so much easier in the process of the singing? Or you still had to work it? I presume so, but with that realization, how did that like make you feel and how did that change your songwriting and how did that change your approach to making music? You know, with the with the knowing, you know, being a rapper, I like I like to rap, you know, spit yeah. words. I've always wanted to be able to sing. Yeah. I can't. Well, you can. Being, well, yeah, that's, yeah, See, exactly. See, that's the, exactly, totally. So, so always being a rap and then all of a sudden you tap into this whole other part <laughs> that you'd been exposed to, like when that I'm feeling. Like more predominantly just a straight singer. Yeah. yeah, so what, how did that change your process of I, making music? I first made music to just, honestly, man, I'm just trying to make my parents relax, bro. Like my dad hasn't taken a day off in like 30 years. Wow. No, I just want them to chill, man. So my Do you think that's in that, that mentality of being an immigrant coming, yeah, having yeah, to work from the ground up, and that's just stuck, yeah. that stuck through to him? Yeah, we've just been poor yeah. our whole lives. No, no, it's just like he can't, he has no option. He takes a day off. No option. That much less food. That much wow. Less gas. Like he can't, he can't fuck around. Like he needs to show up for every dollar, you know? And so for me, it's just seeing that and they're the most beautiful, authentic, genuine, loving, graceful human beings I've ever come across in my life, my parents, bro. They're my role models, they're literally my idols. Like I'm blessed. To what have a blessing. They're just the most amazing human beings. And to see them almost in my, it's not even suffer, it's just like struggle. Like that, that hurts me. And cause they're at peace with it. They don't, they're so content and grateful and happy. Like they're good. I'm the one stressing over their situation. Yes. But um, I always did it to make money. Bro. I just wanted to make money and get them out. And now my mother still technically hasn't really changed. Like that's also a side goal. But my, my what what changed was, and I think that's what's bringing my voice out more and more is, music has now become a journey on falling in love with myself. Truly, to fall in love with yourself. When I sing in the past, I would analyze and judge my voice and my things I went wrong. Now I love my voice and the things I do wrong. I love it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm learning from that. Okay, that's not how you do it. Mm -hmm. And the less judgment I have on self, and the more love I have, it's just this constant cycle. Mm -hmm. I stand in front of the microphone, which is pretty much yeah, you can't bullshit. Yeah, yeah. You can sit here and tell me a musician all you like. Yeah. When it beats on, and you want to do some shit. That's gonna be very evident whether you are or not. Especially when you're hearing it back. Yeah, you know. You know, yeah. there's no hiding. <laughs> yeah. So you so, touched on you touched. Oh yeah. no, continue, yeah, continue. So what I was trying to say was that process has become a process of self-realization for me, self-awareness, self-love. I know when I'm writing a song and I come from a bullshit place and I'm all talking, I'm talking about some fickle matter that's no substance and I'm talking shit. And I'm like, okay, cool. Where am I at in life right now? Why am I doing this? Why can't I speak my truth and be authentic right now? Mm. Okay, cool. There's some shit on your face. And I go back mm. to my meditation, breath, mm. and exercise. Mm. So it's a constant mirror, man. It shows me my blemishes, mm. both musically yeah. and as, as a human. Yeah. And I, it yeah. helps me. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, because once I'd heard that track, I, I don't remember what it was. It would have been while I was traveling. Capsize. Dropped it. Yeah, capsize, I think it was. 
No, but I don't think you'd released it as a single. It was, it was, it was a demo, and I think you sent it to me. I don't know if you remember this. Well, the thing is, for me, like, if I'm up late night and I see someone online and I've just finished the demo, that's probably that's probably what it was. So, yeah, So I heard that. I heard that, and my I, I felt the the sensation down my spine, like just genuine wow. butterflies. Like I don't even think I've shared this with no, you because I haven't seen you in so long, and just kind of hearing that, I was like, oh my. God, Miz, like you've literally opened this gateway, but it was super inspiring, but it was almost like I couldn't believe it from hearing how you'd sung to what you'd got to. It just was like, fuck, dude. You've, you've tapped into that. That was crazy when I first started, there was a lot of effects and a lot of like 100% auto-tune and yeah. like all of the shit I was doing digitally. It still sounded so dry. Which, it nah, still sounded so dry. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but for me, what I'm saying is like, I relied on that to make it sound yeah, good. Yeah. Whereas now I can shamelessly sing at any given point to anyone and it's okay, I'm, I'm make it flat, I'm gonna go off. It doesn't matter. Yeah, great, like great. And I'm like, I love it. Yeah. And I think relying on that, and again, the closer I come to my most authentic self, the closer yeah. I come to loving myself, the yeah. more and more um, that projects itself. Right? Yeah, so yeah, cool. yeah absolutely, yeah. 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 You said you touched on with your parents and the struggle. Uh, again, it's something that seems to come up a lot um, currently in, in, you know, in, in New Zealand, Western society, that it seems to be the aversion from struggling, from the hard work, from the graft, from sweating, from pain, from discomfort. It's so, so hailed now, especially on Instagram. All you're seeing is that maximum positive, most apex point of any individual's day or life or wherever at in the moment they're only sharing that it yeah. seems to be that again that polished kind of image mm -hmm. you know that's so exposed and it seems to be void of the understanding that there is so much graft so much work yeah. so much pain and discomfort Absolutely. and suffering required to get to there mm -hmm. yet that seems to be just completely <clears throat> minus out of the equation so i'm curious like what does struggling actually mean to you when you think of struggling what does it mean to you there's a, that's a multi-layered, there's a multi-faceted answer and a multi-faceted question. And we're in a long-form discussion, because, baby. Because there's the karmic side of things. Yes. Where your struggle is what you have bestowed upon yourself. Yes. Based on your intentions and your decisions and yeah. your behavior. You're yeah. responsible for everything. Don't get me wrong now, if someone comes along and, I mean, it might be a bad example, right? if I'm so PC and these days, I don't know if you yeah. can say this for it, but if let's say someone gets raped, yeah. that's not me saying that was brought on by, that's not what I'm talking about. That's yes. That's a struggle, that's a calamity. That's, that's Absolutely. Abuse. That's an unfair thing that's happened yeah. out of nowhere. I'm talking about genuine life struggle, yeah. um, self-struggle. Uh, these are things that we, we are responsible for. When you really look at our health issues or our financial situations or our friend groups and environments, whatever we say is negative or bad, we have made a decision that got us there and we can make a decision to get us out of it. So it's it's necessary struggle. Yeah. And struggle is also... Uh, Struggle can be, what's this, what am I trying to say? Multi, it's not even multi. Double-edged sword. Yeah, um, double-edged sword because a- Two sides to the same coin. Someone who grew up in poverty, their struggle is financial security. Someone who grew up with multi-millionaire parents, their struggle is decency. Their struggle is character. Their struggle is being kind and caring. Relativity, eh? So, yeah, so no it's way. relative. It's like time. Yeah. Struggle is relative, bro. Yeah. And so I don't think it's fair to be like, well, I'm a refugee, so you don't know shit about struggle. Well, no, actually, bro, struggle is struggle, because we all struggle at all different levels of mm. different things. Mm. Mm. So um, what does struggle mean to me? Struggle is something that I, as much as I sometimes when I'm weak or I'm tired or I've had enough, 
complain about, but it's something I truly crave and, and, and appreciate. And in fact, I kind of go looking for where I can identify struggle in my life. Because complacency and, and calmness and nothing going wrong doesn't benefit me. It doesn't mm. serve me, bro. You know, it doesn't, for example, I never like being the best artist in the room when I collaborate with people. That's why I used to love working with you. Mm. That was the space I was, I was like, yo, this man knows more than me. Mm. This guy plays instruments, this guy mm. writes, and he knows how to compose and make beats. And, mm. Oh, I don't know how to do that. I still don't. Mm. So when I'm in a room with someone who knows more than me or is better than me or something, I, I thrive. Bro. Like, I'm excited because I've got so much to learn. If I'm the best in the room, somebody else is benefiting. Somebody else is learning from me, and that's cool, but I'm not growing. I'm not learning. Mm. So struggles has been something I truly dive into, man. And sometimes it gets tired, you know? Totally. Well, we've only got so much yeah. energy. Yeah. You know? Good day. You can be like, okay, I'm going to tackle the last 28 years of struggling with gratitude tonight. Like, you know, there's not yeah. enough time on the to a point where you're like, you know what, bro? This has got to get lit. <laughs> like, you know, mm. that's okay. It's, it's mm. honestly, I've, I've come to a point in my life where I own my decisions and sometimes mm. I just choose to run away and suppress it by getting lit and having fun. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's your karma. Because every other day, I'm fucking working. Totally. Every other day, I'm face to face with myself. And yeah. Every single day, I, I breathe deep. I, I spend time alone with these yuck feelings and figuring out what they mean. And, or even just sitting with them, not even trying to figure it out. Sometimes yeah. we were talking on the phone the other day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I've just learned to just really, really accept, bro. And I think that's what's so powerful about people like Jesus and people like yeah. um, Buddha and people yeah. like, you know, all these big names yeah. that like, have impacted large yeah. religions. They were just so beautiful because they didn't run away from yeah. the adversity. Like, yeah. he knew he was going to get hung yeah. across. Yeah. He didn't set up. And still loved all the soldiers. He loved all the soldiers. He loved them. He said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Father, please forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Father, why are you forsaken? For they are ignorant. But he also said, Father, why are you forsaken? So he even complained. So you know it's okay. There's moments we complain, there's moments we gratitude, but throughout all of that, we must accept whatever's happening. And yeah, I think that's a struggle with yeah. it's, it's a lesson in acceptance. Yeah. yeah, you touched on the Buddha, and that's something um, I got exposed to a few years ago that suffering is kind of inevitable. It's one of the mm. most inevitable things of life. And the idea of change change is the only thing that constant, change is the only thing that's inevitable, but change seems to be the thing that people seem to be so unattracted to. Sure. People want to always, always run away from change because it requires suffering, Absolutely. it requires struggling. It requires being in pain. Mm. But now, again, going back to media, Western society was so sold this idea that, you know, you get these abs in 30 days, you go on this diet for 10 days, you'll meet the girl of your dream and it'll be a happy life. Nah, nah, nah. When you have a relationship with a woman or a man or whoever you want to be in relationship with on an intimate level, that it's not meant to be all dandy. We're not always meant to be happy all the time. We're not always meant to be in a positive state. We're not always meant to have a good day. We're not always meant to feel stress-free. It's... The, the, the goodness and the badness are one and the same, yet it seems that we're sold this idea. And it's just an interesting notion. And I love the, that's why the physical aspect when, when coming a train, like I was doing um, these workouts at Biffles Beach. It was at the sand dunes. It's this amazing beach out in West Auckland. Uh, we were doing these sand dunes, the sessions with me and my friends. And as we were going through it, it was literally a physical representation of life. You start at the bottom and you get to the top. To get from the top, you have to work really fucking hard. But through the process, your brain's going through all sorts. 
You're not denying the pain. You're not denying the sensations. It's all there. It's all there. And you're acknowledging it. Yes, you're going through it. You get to the top. You're shattered, but you're at the top. And you're like, oh. And you go do another one. But that voluntary, self-induced suffering, I'm not talking from like a masochist yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. talking from a way that this is necessary because this is the only way I'm going to be able to step forward in life. This as far as I can understand because it is inevitable that Shit's gonna. You brought up that um, example of the rape. You know, it's pretty morbid, but mm. it happens. And if you want to flip that, the way I see that, if that would happen to me, mm. I wouldn't know what to feel. You know, and that's a very, very sensitive subject. And there's people that have suffered so much from that, and their lives have been ruined. Yet they still, which is a real hard thing to say, folks, and this might be hard to listen. They still have the opportunity to see it and learn from it and not become, they are victims to it, but they don't have to be a victim. See, I can testify to that because I've been through it. I lost my virginity being raped. Yeah. Because I was literally sitting there saying, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, and I was told just to be quiet. (laughs) And it just happened because I was like, wow. I literally was like a stiff log just armed on my side, just like, please, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this. 17 years old to a 26 year old. You know, and that's not, we laugh about that as males. Yeah, totally. Actually, no, it goes the other way around. Yeah. That's rape, so that's rape. Yeah. However, I've also experienced molestation from the age of nine, from the age of like nine to about 11. Wow. Like, I've just, I've, I've experienced heartbreak. I've had someone tell me I'm the dad to the kid because they want to just keep me around and found out it wasn't my daughter or not when she was two years old. So like I've had these experiences. At the time, at the time, oh, you I must, have, you'd been, right yeah, now. yeah, anger, hard out, anger, confusion, away, resentment. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm talking about there came a point, yeah. like after all of that bullshit response, uh, reactions, I came to the point where I decided I need to choose how to respond. And, and because I need to take control like of my life, like I can't, I'm not a victim. It's just that's happened to me and I need to learn from it. And what I learned from it, and this is not what everyone else has to do. In fact, anytime I talk about this, some people get triggered and they're like, I mean, you know, Absolutely. This is my answer. My solution is to forgive them. Forgiveness has wow. been the crux of, of my existence. Just the crux. And it's crazy because I always thought I forgave until recently. I went to a retreat with Jesse Winyard and Isaac Durelli, and um, at this retreat, I came to a realization at the beginning of this year that I've actually never for truly forgiven anyone. I just said I did and just sweep it away mm. to avoid them feeling uncomfortable about how I feel. So you, what, what, when, you truly, when you truly forgave, what was it that you are going through? Well, what I truly did was forgive myself for what I did in turn of me being hurt. Because since then, for me being abused and me going through all that shit, I turned into a cold dude, bro, and I was a savage. I cheated on all my girlfriends. I, was, I lied. Profusely, all the time. I was a coping mechanism in I a way. I was focused on myself. I didn't care who it hurt. I was misogynistic. I was I was disrespectful. You know, I was so inconsiderate. I was so selfish. I was so self-absorbed. I was arrogant. You know, and I've done all these things, and I've hurt a lot of people in my time, just as we all do. You know, I've hurt people, and people that mean something to me still today that I have relationships with. So for me, I held on to a lot of that guilt. So therefore, I couldn't even forgive the people that hurt me until I did the first thing, which was the closest thing, which was the people that I hurt. So I couldn't forgive myself. So what I realized was I needed to forgive myself. And I attempted it and wow. cried. So when, when you say that, was that you, you, you meditated, you spoke the words, you, you internalized it, you f- 
without the forgiveness. Oh, I, did, I did this crazy breathwork that took me through, which was okay. around it. And it takes you so deep into the abyss of nothingness yes. within yourself. Into your body, right? Into the abyss yes. of nothingness. Yeah. Like deep within yeah. yourself, there's this infinite realm of nothing. Totally. Of stillness. And it took me to that place, and that's where my inner child was locked up behind some walls. Because yeah, yeah. it got hurt so much. And exposed and yourself, yeah. Shut up so much, and it got abused so much, and it got mm. lied to, and it got disregarded or judged or hated so much that it created these this concrete wall around us in a child, and, which, and now that's the concrete wall is what I call my adult self, wow. who everyone's dealing with. So I got deep beyond the concrete walls and got into the core, and <laughs> it just came out of me, bro. I was screaming, mm. I was yelling, I was saying, fuck you, so loud, and just like, my face was veiny, I could not mm. see it, but I could probably tell. I was so deep in there, I wasn't even aware what was going on out here, I just, someone actually recorded it, mm. and that's why I saw it, I seen it, I looked, it was intense. Mm. Whole like you're possessed, I'd imagine, right? Absolutely, yeah. positions are just uh, totally, totally. That's all it is. And I was crying, and I was doing all the stuff that I wasn't really in control either. My body was autonomous; it was an autopilot mode. And I, yeah, afterwards I just felt light, and I didn't hold on to as much, and things didn't draw me as much. And there's still a lot of work to go through, but there's another level reach. But new levels, new devils, you know. So I've been having new struggles since then. It's beautiful. It's infinite, man. And infinite. Struggle is the nucleus of life. It is the epitome of existence. Yeah. Because first, people like you mix, you clash two colors together, you get a new color. Planets yeah. collide, and we have universes. Like yeah. shit happens after collision, after mm. struggle. People have sex. That's a physical struggle. The back and forth, the push, yeah. the pull. The, that's a struggle. And it could be giving birth. Labor struggle. You growing up, it's all a part of it. If you don't, and it's inevitable. Yeah. That, that. And, but here's where water is powerful. Be like water is one of the most powerful things I've ever yeah. read because yeah. it's so true. Yeah. Yes, there is struggle, but you can be water amongst it. Because then amongst all that chaos, water just gets squished and yeah. pushed down and spat out yeah. and evaporated yeah. and shat back down and rained, and it just allows itself to be a part of the struggle. Yeah. You know, but it provides life. Water is life. Be like water, man. Accept what is going on, observe, and give life, bro. Yeah. To give life is to serve, which is why I love the name of your podcast. In fact, it's the reason why I love you, bro. You're one of the most beautiful human beings I know. You've taught me a lot about myself just by being you. You've never lectured me. You've never told me off. You've never judged me. You've always constantly allowed me while being yourself and, and learning and uh, consuming information at such a rapid rate that I swear to God for it, long after you and I stopped seeing each other and you went overseas and stuff, you have impacted my life on a, such a major scale, bro. Wow. And I'm forever in love with you for that. Wow. I love you too. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, wow. Yeah, that, 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 hits, that hits home hard because it's funny because I always thought the same thing about you. As I touched on before is when I first met you, I was like, fuck, this is my new lifelong brother. Yeah. Another new lifelong sure. brother. It was, just inst- it was just the way you, you spoke, yeah. communicated. And I was and, one of the most powerful moments of my life with you, with Miff Jenkins. Yeah, that, yeah, we gotta share. We gotta share that. So, so basically, me and me and Mez used to work. Um, used to work for I Love Ugly. It's this menswear label from New Zealand. Yeah, that is great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Rather not. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Because we'll keep we'll keep the audio nice and tight. Um. So so yeah. One day, um, Matt. He was another friend of ours. He was working in the store, and then. Mick Jenkins, who's this rapper, musician from Chicago, US, big fans, me and Mez are big fans of this individual, and he came into the store, and we didn't know it at the time, and then Matt called in saying like, yo, Mix, he's wanting to get some weed, and then Mez managed to pull a few strings, you get it for him, and then me, him, um, me, him, uh, Mick Jenkins, 
and yeah. Tyler and Nat O'Kelly, yeah. yeah. We all went up to this. Yeah, yeah, Tyler, we all went up to the cut parking lot and then we smoked the zoop. We got to spend time with Jenkins who were just like massive fans. Me and me and Miz were literally like like we were big fans of this man. We were big fans of his music. And he and he broke it down for us. He broke down so much. He broke so down. He was so there for us. He actually communicated these ideas and he was present. Yeah. Yeah. That was like I don't have to be a big time artist. Like I can play at any he said there's 50 cities around the world that I can play and I can sell out 500 tickets in any building easy. Like I can sell 500 yeah. tickets yeah. over 50, oh, over 100 cities. Yeah. That to me is like enough. And it's like, you don't have to mold yourself to be like, what's make it mean? Yeah. And he was talking about all this deep shit. And what's crazy is that's when I saw your true self as well. Because yeah. for me, like for me, no matter how, I'm, if I'm a fan of someone, I'm a fan of someone, but there's no difference between me and them. I don't fangirl, I don't, yeah. I don't, I mean, I fangirl, but I don't like, oh my God, like, yeah. oh, I'm all struck and, <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. Nah, it's just like, bro, I love your music. Yeah. Okay, I got some questions for you. Yeah, you. yeah, I'm, I'm exactly. coming for your seat too. So. And we, we were so clear, I remember the questions we asked. Same, bro. Yeah. Just yourself and I'm yeah. we really got along. And yeah. the fact that you got to introduce me to one of my biggest, like, um, crushes musically at the time. Mm, yes. Was just so yes. Cute for me, like, on the way home, he'd, he'd let me play some music. Yes. He was like, I love this, bro. I was just like, yeah, yeah, my number, like, you can send me some songs sometimes. Mm. And all of that came yes. from you, which just yeah. Wow, me. yeah. And, and, and I remember this time now, this is even in the um, the process of your your artistry, your process, you know, your your timeline is that I remember at that time, because you released the album, The Healing Component, yes. that was became a real emphasis in your music and your ideas and how you expressed yeah. the idea of love. Yeah. Can we talk on that a bit? Because that was something I remember looking at and being like, yeah, he's really pushing love. Yeah. Not just, oh, love, love nah. but love, nah. love. Nah. Like, what was that to you? Because do you remember that crux? That there was a crux like, point. Here's the thing, bro. The healing component was so powerful for me because it was the beginning of my healing component. Yes. It was the start of it for me. And I had a, an album that was speaking to my future. Because I wasn't healing at the time, don't get me wrong. There was still like a couple, two, three years after that where I went off the rails. But what I'm saying is like, it was it was like a time where I started to be softened up to the concept of authentic self-love and the expression of your music because his music was different. He wasn't commercial, he wasn't, he just did his thing and the music was so beautiful and it got me through some really, really heavy times. And yeah, ever since then, love was just always been at the center of my conversations, thought patterns, desires, and, and, and musical. Mm. Like he, he, yeah, he's actually crazily impacted my life, and that's one of the things that you, which is what I was thanking you for. Like that actually impacted mm. me in such a heavy way, and then you were a part of that process, mm. which is crazy. Mm. And you, and you, and you had a love. If if you want to talk about that in the process, yeah, in the yeah. process, in the process of in the process of going through that, I remember because I I got to I got to I saw the whole thing, not not the end, but the start and the middle of like when you met her and oh, during that oh, time crazy. and like seeing that process and then obviously it's quote unquote gone, but it's not gone. But like what what was that like having to go through that? It was it was <laughs> or or still be going through. In a way, right? Um, like, I'll be honest, bro. She got the short end of the stick. Like, she's the one that went through shit with me. Um, she was very balanced. She was very wholesome. She still is. <laughs> she knows herself, and she totally. And yeah, of course, she's grown a lot, and there's a lot of things she would, you know, had to work on herself for herself. But it never trickled into my life path and my happiness. How she was, or what she did, or the decisions mm. that impacted who I was as a person and how happy yeah. I was. Whereas my decisions did because I was just a very, very hard person to be with. Bro. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, I cheated on her heavily, bro. You know, it's unfair, but I cheated on her. And it's what happened. I accept that. I've forgiven myself for it so I can speak about it openly. You know? Yeah, thank you and, for sharing and, this, yeah, bro. Of course, bro. And, that was, and, that was, and that's a human being that didn't deserve that. You know? And um, I mean, no one does, don't get me wrong. But if anyone didn't, it's her. <laughs> and uh, I, I was dating her during a time that I was at the most volatile rock, four-year drug binge rock bottom of my life. That's when I met her. I met her when I was so like detoxing and from partying and sobering up and I left 1885. And, and yeah. then once we fell in love and, well, which was pretty much straight away, but once me and her started getting intimate and spending time, I just went deeper back. Cause it was almost like she's so pure and loving that she was kind of like a mirror bro. And being too close to something so white, something, when I say white, I mean light, something so bright, something so pure. Being so close to it really exposed my deep, dark blemishes that I was able to so easily. Mm. And so I didn't like it. I was uncomfortable. And why would she want me? She's so beautiful. She's so perfect. Mm. You know, not, not on a physical thing. I'm mm. not a beautiful man. I just mm. that, but it's more in the sense of she's so beautiful inside, mm. yuck inside. Why does she want this? How could she want this? Actually, she only wants this until, and then once this or that happens, she's gonna leave anyway, like everyone else. Like, so I started creating these narratives that weren't true and self-sabotaging. And that just comes to a lack of self-love. In fact, it wasn't a lack of self-love, it's the polar opposite of self-hate. I hated myself so much, I didn't know how to love her. Yeah. And that's a hard journey. But Absolutely. I got engaged. I proposed to him because I truly wanted to spend the rest of my life. I was the sermon. Huh? I was, this was that sport. Oh my God! I forgot about this, G. It's a funny little story. Mez oh came up to me God. at Splore. Like, this is kind of a cool little segue, full circle. That Mez came up to me. I was in Splore. my first time going to Splore. I was loving He's like, bro, me and Tyler are going to get married. Do you want to be like sermon? And I was like, what the fuck? He's like, bro, like, it has to be you. I was like, bro, like, nervous. I felt nervous. And then, yeah, it was this beautiful ceremony. And I remember, I remember Miles, he lit the lantern. And it like was with the fire and it started to tumble and fall down the hill and it was and it yes. hit this tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the last minute, boosh, it flew away. That lantern still flew away. Yeah, it was fate. It's like at that time we're in a very turbulent stage of our life because, you know, I had played up and things had happened and I just proposed to her because I wanted to marry her, but at the same time, I guess deep down, there's also the sense of like, make it up to her and do this stuff and show commitment. But I was doing all these grandiose things externally, but not all the actual work internally. So when we were lighting that lamp and it was just falling apart and like about to die and then it just caught itself and then came back up and flew normally. Flew away. You know, and it was, yeah. and that was very representative of our relationship, right? because it was crumbling and falling. And mid last year, I actually had an open conversation with her where we both came to the conclusion that we should end our engagement because I was real honest with her. And she asked me if I had been unfaithful, and I said, no, I have not by my standards, because in my standards, having genuine connections with people, wanting to talk to people and hang out with people isn't wrong. That just isn't wrong. I'm a very loving person. I shouldn't just have yeah. males. Yeah. If I meet a girl out and she's fucking awesome and we click and she wants to hang out, let's hang out. Yeah. You know? But at the same time, I'm super insecure. So I'm always getting mad at shit that she doesn't. So I was just a very toxic person to be with. Mm. And she asked me, and I just told her straight, I was like, no, but I, I don't know if I believe in marriage, but like, the more I come to my true self, I grew up in an Ethiopian Christian family. So monogamy is the only way. Mm. Everything else is wrong and it was sin because you're going to go to hell, you know? Mm. And that's where our belief systems defer of my parents. And for me, it's like I 
came to the conclusion that I'm, I'm not even came to the conclusion, it's just I'm now just at this place where I know I don't believe in marriage or monogamy anymore. It's just who I am. And that's okay. It's okay, it. yeah. Not doesn't go around sending it to everyone. But yeah, absolutely. Like sharing on Instagram but, but, as a status. But, yeah, but, but I meet someone and yeah. they're beautiful and I'm beautiful. And yeah. beautiful and we like each other and there's energy and we want to express and explore each other's bodies. My nigga, what's wrong? Yeah. Nothing, dog. You know? It's yeah. Cool. So, but that's complete opposite to Tyler, who is like wholesome. I'm the third person she's ever been with in any form of shape and that's the third boyfriend she's ever had. And we've just, she's just so pure and doesn't give her body and it's so sacred for her and, and that's so beautiful in fact that's half the, that's most of the reason why I felt so madly in love with her because it was the opposite of me it was so wholesome wow. and pure and I was like oh my god I've never met anyone like that like when she says she's loyal she's actually loyal and I've wow. never heard that before I've been played up on by everyone almost you know and I like I just yeah she just blew every one and every notion of, of, of you know love out the water for her. but it came to the point where I just couldn't live up to it so Long story short, I decided it's best to be honest and I, we had that conversation. We ended it mid last year. The first couple months were really hard. First few months were really, really hard. And um, coming into this year, we got to a nicer place and then a little bump. And then almost most of this year has just been really, really beautiful. We're mm. best friends. We hang out, we catch up for lunches. Wow. Take after dinner sometimes. We'll catch up with me and yeah. for a tank. Beautiful. We'll just go to the beach sometimes and just yeah. hang out, have a wine. Yeah. Talk, you know, she tells me about a couple of dates she's been on. And yeah. <laughs> like we, yeah, cool. We, we talk, well, Like, yeah. you know, just we're cool. And it's really, really beautiful. And I'm madly, crazily in love with her. And I always will be for the rest of my life. Yeah, beautiful. Which is why I don't see myself getting another relationship. It's not something I want to do. Like, yeah. I don't believe in monogamy anyway. Mm. But she now has that part of my heart that could have given that to someone. Mm. She has that forever, bro. Mm. And if this music thing goes where I'm, where I'm manifesting and, mm. you know, we get on that big level, then she's going to experience and, and enjoy yeah. all the spoils yeah. of the world and yeah. be front seat with me, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah so man. It's, it's an interesting Yeah, yeah, yeah word, man. Yeah. But I've learned more about myself with her than I have with anyone else. Yeah. Now, thanks for sharing that because, again, like you touched on it, like catching up with her and that's your quote unquote, your ex. Another thing that would seem to be sold this idea that when you're broken up that there's like that's it cutting ties well, and just well, being yeah <laughs> and be, but being able to have the, the the you know just that i don't know the self-love i guess the integrity the wisdom to be able to step into that and still feel good i imagine stuff still arises oh, well, but still being time, able man. to be yeah. in that space and hold that space that that yeah i respect that man um, you know because i i for one you know when i went through my first relationship and my first breakup but I didn't want anything to fucking do with her, mm. the thought of it. But then, as 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 time went on, I'm like, fuck. If I saw her, I would love to go get a coffee with her and just catch up on life. But purely from an objective point of love, because yeah. I I still love that girl, Absolutely. but I'm not in love with her, and that will always remain. And it's like, wow. Sounds crazy. So, though, yeah. Okay. Well. well no, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is okay. Great. And that's like, your. I'm that's. In love with a lot of people. Mm. I don't mean that in a sexual way either. Yeah. Like, I love, bro. I love to love. Yeah. I love to be loved. I just love love, bro. Yeah. And so when, so when I'm that deeply in love with someone, I'm not the type that just like, oh, well, we're done now, so that's over. Not that, that that's what's happening with you either. Yeah, yeah totally. Yes. Once I'm in there, bro, that's for life. Yeah. Everyone I've ever loved, I just love you. Yeah. Like, I'm so in love with you. Yeah. Like, I love everyone, bro. Yeah. But with her, it's just like, there's just this part of my heart that. It's just hers, and that's cool, and it's really, really cool. And it's, in fact, it's healthy. Like straight up, when we hang out, it's hard sometimes. She'll like, you know, she'll be like, oh, you know, I went on this date with this dude, and it's okay. We laugh about it, talk about it, but still, there's that little feeling inside of like, 
You know, it's real jealousy. And, mm. and that's okay. Like, it is okay. People feel, yes. like, feel jealous. It's like, well, yeah. you can feel jealousy. That's You can't control how you feel. But it's about yeah. do you express it and you express it in healthy ways and you talk mm. about it and you bottle up and then get spiteful and say, Shana, I used to get very, very spiteful and say, and say things to her or like just ignore her for a while. And I used to do all that stuff, really, you know, until the last few months where, a couple of months where I've just really come to a place where I'm learning to truly let go. And I've let go now. Like, she's not mine. She is hers. She never was mine. Mm. We were just sharing time yeah. and space together. Yeah. And when I meet, like, let's say you meet a new girl and she, you find out she's been dating a couple guys and doing a thing, you don't get jealous, you don't get mad because yeah. it's not your girl. So yeah. then I just have to approach everyone like that and see everyone is not mine. Mm. You're just sharing time and space with me. Mm. Sharing it with me, beautiful. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, man. yeah. And yeah, it's been, it's been intense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so true, man. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, like, this this has been pretty dense, you know, I must say. Like, this is this is just going to be the one of many as well that I'm yeah. aware of. Um, it's like the Robin, you know, you're not as famous. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And you're, you're definitely on that star list on my bookmarks. Yeah, 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 that is, that is the plan. Well, it's, it's already set up, it's already set up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, that, that would be amazing because yeah, just to iterate again, that's what this podcast is about. It's basically, um, yeah, uh, living in service and it's something that I truly value and I know that Mez truly values and, you know, to live in service is to live in love, you know. And, yeah, this, I feel this has been a real theme of this, of this conversation, you know, love and that love isn't all dandy and rosy. Love is hard. Love is rough. Love is uncomfortable. But underneath it all, it's love. And love is also good, positive, joyous, but underneath it all, it's love. Mm. So yeah, I'm real grateful. Wow. Um, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm really looking forward to actually listening back yeah, to this. Uh, so yeah, so dude, like thank you for having me in your beautiful home. It's beautiful to be here, beautiful to be connecting back with you. And yeah, this is gonna be one of many and I'm looking forward to seeing you again outside of this kind of dialogue just to create. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna have a yeah, session absolutely. soon. Yeah, totally. Um, now, now I and now I know where you live. So I know where you live, man. Uh, but yeah, thank you for this. I really am truly from the bottom of my heart, from the top of my heart, from the side of my heart. Like grateful for you, grateful for our friendship, grateful for our connection, and grateful for the value that you have bestowed upon these listeners and to me. You know, like coming back to that, like what you have done for me and the way, just your grace, man. Your grace. It's something that. I've just always been so in love with, bro, the way that you have had, there's just this presence. All those that know him probably agree. Whatever it is, it's what it is. And you are just, you have this grace, bro. And I'm grateful for it, bro. And I'm grateful that we have crossed paths in this carnation to be able to be friends, brothers, you know, brothers, truly brothers. And yeah, thank you, Miz. Thank you. I just want to say again, like, like I said earlier, yeah. it's not me and T, he was within me. Yeah. She was within me. Yeah. The Holy Spirit, bro. It's God. Yeah. Yeah. That resides within all of us. That's what gives us the capacity to be grateful. And so, oh, oh praise to the yeah. Most High. And um, I pray that everyone spends their time and energy truly focused and tapped into healing themselves. I pray for anyone who's been listening to this podcast, who's been um, present with us and really feeling called in their heart to, to <laughs> um, stop ignoring the things in life that, 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 that need most addressing. Father, I pray in this moment that you give them the opportunities, the connections, the friendships, and, 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 and the willingness and open, openness to really find a path, 
to a deep place within themselves where they can find themselves and, and ship themselves out and heal themselves and, and continue to come back out here and give the best of themselves to everyone. Father, I pray for anyone who is struggling in this moment and feels alone, who feels isolated, uh, feels like they're the only one going through what they're going through. I pray that through our conversations it has resonated, that it's not just them. I pray that whoever has a dream or a goal that they want to manifest but, but are too afraid to, to delve in because of fear of judgment or judgment judging themselves or fear of failure, I break those chains. In the name of, in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, I pray that you keep everyone <laughs> truly, truly tapped in to the Holy Spirit over the coming times because it's not best. It's not going to be easy. Amen. Times we're heading into are very, very tough and, and they're going to continue to get tougher and throughout it. The only thing that's truly going to get us through it is humanity, it's unity, it's love, understanding, uh, compassion, you know, it's, 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 it's the it's empathy and connectivity. And I just pray that uh, for those of us, for those of the people that are still here with us, um, that you bless them, Father, as they go away from this, I pray that they feel like their vibration has been raised and, and, and that uh, they realize they are loved because they are loved. In the name of love, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my brother. And that's a wrap. How did we do, folks? Uh, how did we go? Felt good to finally get that episode done. Really enjoyed it. I really hope you took something away from it. Uh, I know I did. And Mez, yet again, does what he does best. Expresses himself, speaks from the heart, speaks his truths. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed the conversation we got to have and after listening back to it I really have a tendency to really emote and uh, really mmm and ah uh, and so yeah that's something that I'm definitely gonna yeah stop doing because I found it a bit distracting I don't know if you did but <laughs> that's just me you know you are your own worst critic so that's definitely something that I will work on for the future episodes yeah, it's really good to be bringing this to you all. And yeah, just a shout out to the sponsor, which is uh, me, uh, me, myself and I. Life, the universe, thank you universe uh, for bringing this episode to you all. Thanks to the constant rain of abundance, of love and of the ability to have the ability to speak and articulate myself so shout outs to the universe I'll be probably uh, dropping episodes at least now for probably once a month and then as I get more guests locked in and acquire the necessary gear uh, yeah that I, th- I feel that will be just a good a good kind of starting <clears throat> start for for me and and to kind of keep you guys engaged and to make sure that uh, I am living up to the name, living in service. So yeah, it's really, really is a intention of mine and I really do truly believe in it. And it comes from a place of, yeah, sincere and honest love. And I truly do want to just learn more and understand more in this life, you know, in this short, long life we all have. So, yeah, yet again, thanks, thanks all who tuned in. Um, If you like the podcast, just share it. Share it with your friends, share it on social media. I'm going to get all those uh, areas up to date on my Instagram and 
I don't really do Facebook or Twitter, but maybe I should start exploring those realms too. But for now, it's just Instagram to keep it simple. So yeah, if you like the podcast, please share it, comment, um, you know, share what you think, share what you think I could work on. And not only that, share any guests that you may have, any recommendations, any suggestions, any people who you feel would really uh, be suited. And I think, yeah, for anyone that would be suited, uh, because yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of minds and a lot of people in this world, and we can only get through so much. But it, I would imagine there's a lot of a lot of good people that you you guys all know that would yeah be of real real value. Uh, thanks again, and I'll be tuning in next time. Goodbye.